Bring it in. Read Option Podcast back and ready to tackle the NFL Divisional Round. We have eight teams remaining left in the NFL playoffs. Uh, We have obviously both one seeds and a couple of underdogs, some fun stories, some fun player matchups to watch. Right now we have me and Scotty. We're expecting Vito to hop on. We've been waiting on him for a little while, but he's getting caught up at work. So we're hoping to get Vito on here to to get his picks in as well. But for now, just me and Scotty. Scotty, how are you, buddy? What's up, man? I'm good. My team's back in it. <clears throat> and not to uh, not to be the downer, but uh, folks, when we tell you all season long, especially as we approach the end of it, to enjoy the football that we have we have seven games left stop in this nfl season so enjoy the shit out of it whether your team's in it or not i know you and Vito, uh jeff have uh either not been a part of or been eliminated from uh postseason contention so uh yeah I'm, I would have I'm rather watched the broncos i would have rather watched the broncos play the buccaneers <laughs> on uh hey, look, on monday night I, i'm sorry about that but but still, like at the end of the day, uh, when we get down to uh, uh, literally a month from now, we're going to be like, damn it. I wish we had more football. Uh, we, so we always do. We always do. Um, but just like, you know, anything, it's it's like the old thing from How I Met Your Mother, right? Like if every day was legendary, then no days would be legendary. You know, if every Sunday Fair. was yeah. NFL Sunday, then it wouldn't mean anything. You know, so it's good. It, it it should add more more layers. It should make you appreciate what we have in the moment right now more so than anything else. And what we have right now is is four really fun games, um, potential upsets. And ultimately, I don't think any of those upsets will happen, but you never know. Right. That's the NFL. Right. We have two one seeds right now that feel like they are a class above everyone else in their respective divisions and conferences. That being said. Once you get into the playoffs, it's any given Sunday. Anything could happen. And uh, I think that we're going to see the Ravens and Niners have uh, somewhat formidable tests. I mean, look, the Niners getting the seven seed, the first seven seed to ever advance to the divisional round since the introduction of that a few years ago. Uh, but as you pointed out, Scotty, the Packers, the Niners and Packers have been very heavily slanted towards the Niners. In the uh, the Shanahan versus Matt Lafleur era, does any of that change with Jordan Love? Who's to say? We'll get into all of that, but um, yeah, I mean, as of right now, we have uh, a few really fun games. You know, obviously, we get another Sunday night game uh, between the Chiefs and Bills. Thank you to the uh, NFL decision makers. Six thirty p.m. Eastern time is when the Sunday night game is. So we will all be able to work on Monday. All right. Same here. We'll be able to get in bed at a reasonable hour. Uh, I love the 630 start. That's a perfect time. It's 330 in the afternoon for the West Coast. So you guys get an afternoon game and then you're able to have the rest of your nights. For the East Coast people, you can have your dinner, sit down, watch football, and you're in bed at a reasonable hour. You're in bed before 10 o'clock. That's all we ask for. You know, we have to, on the East Coast, we deal with it every week with Sunday Night Football. A lot. 
All right. So Those all we're damn asking West Coast for, people. When you have the standalone games, you know, all we're asking for NFL is for, hey, we're not going to reasonable. How yeah. many times during the regular season do we complain about how late the Sunday night games are? None. Is it a pain in the ass? Absolutely. But you know what? We don't complain. Same thing with Monday night. We don't complain. So all we ask for is in the playoffs, don't give us a Monday night at 8.30. Don't give us a Sunday night at 8.30. Just get 6.30. That's a perfect time. All right? West Coast, it's a normal afternoon game for you. East Coast, it's a perfect, hey, you have your dinner, you watch some football, you go to bed, you get ready for work the next day. We can do our podcast on Mondays. We don't have to wait till Tuesdays. It's perfect. All right? Everybody wins. Thank you to the NFL for letting us do that. Uh, before we get into the game, so for this weekend, some news and notes around the NFL, uh, because it is it is worth bringing up. Uh, as of right now, from what we've heard, the Dallas Cowboys are going to retain Mike McCarthy. So that, to me, is like the best news I can hear. Uh, he will be coming back for a fourth season. Amen. I can't, can't believe that this is already going to be his fourth season as the head coach. I, f- I thought this was like his third, or I thought this was his second, maybe. Yeah, I to me, that he's going to go into his fourth season, that seems like a lot. Uh, but the longer Mike McCarthy's the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, particularly during this coaching cycle, when you have Belichick, you have Mike Vrabel, you have Slovic and Ben Johnson, the young guy, upstart guys, this is the best news you can hear if you're a fan of the NFC East. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys going to continue to ride with Mike McCarthy, and that is just that is phenomenal news. Phenomenal news because I'm I'm telling you right now, the same thing's going to happen next year. That it is it is it, 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 honestly more than likely we're going to see some sort of Dallas implosion. Right? They're kind of like they're on that like two years of being really good a year of being pretty good with some injuries, and then one year where they just suck, they're kind of due in that cycle for a year of just flat-out sucking. And I, nothing would make me happier. A mid-season firing of Mike McCarthy next year would bring me so much joy. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, in terms of other coaching news, a lot more interviews have been going on. Um, nothing has been finalized as of yet. We did see Gerard Mayo get introduced as the head coach. We did not talk about that on Monday's pod or Wednesday's pod, whenever we recorded on Tuesday. So Tuesday, Wednesday's pod. Um, What were your thoughts on that? Because we didn't really dive into it much, but Gerard Mayo, he, it seemed like multiple years ago, Bob Kraft kind of promised Gerard Mayo, like, hey, you are going to be the heir apparent for Bill Belichick. And it was supposedly it was in his contract. There seems to be some, mixed signaling about that but ultimately we're gonna see uh you know gerard mayo take over here uh what was your reaction to seeing that get confirmed he was introduced earlier in the day uh and uh i don't know i think it's a good hire but i'm curious to hear your thoughts yeah no it's uh, i think it's a great hire um obviously he was he was that that move wouldn't have been in the works in craft's office if it wasn't signed off on by bill belichick and it came a year early uh, I think just based on how the uh, the Patriots uh, as a as a team and a franchise were moving uh, this year, uh, really the last year and a half, um, so it came a little earlier than expected. I think Bill was supposed to be there for the uh, for him to break the record, uh, which he's 15 wins away from uh, from the all time wins record as a head coach. 
Um, but again, like came early um, and situation is what it is, but I think they got the right guy. Like, obviously if you're, if you're handpicked by, by one of the greatest of all time, signed off on by one of the greatest of all time to do it and Bill Belichick, then, you know, uh, <laughs> you're doing something right. So uh, we'll see moving forward. Obviously there's a, there's a huge question mark, especially when somebody of that, uh, of that clout and stature leaves uh, in Bill Belichick. But uh, you know, again, Gerard Mayo, who, who's been a, he was a ph- phenomenal pro, uh, phenomenal linebacker. Um, and, and those tend to make pretty good, pretty good coaches uh, along the way. We'll see if it translates into the, to the head coaching position uh, with him being the, uh, the true green dot, the signal caller uh, for everybody. So uh, we'll see. I love, I love the hire. Uh, I think he's a, he's, he's, like I said, a consummate professional. Uh, but uh, you know, those, those Boston fans, uh, for those of you listening, you know you have a short fuse, uh, so you know don't jump on him too hard if uh, if the going's rough in the beginning. That's that's all I gotta advise you on. But I love it. I love Gerard Mayo as a player, and, and I think he'll be just as good as a coach. I I agree. Look, and uh, for the record, we got Vito hopping on here. Uh, I'm excited to get Vito's thoughts on this too. We just started recording, buddy, so you have you haven't missed much. We're breaking down the um, the Gerard Mayo announcement here uh, for the, the 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 Pats. Talked a little bit about Mike McCarthy getting retained there for the Cowboys. Um, look, my whole my overall thoughts on the Jared Mayo thing is like everyone has talked about this dude. Like he's one of those guys who is the second he was done playing, he was immediately coaching. There are some former players who are just built for this this coaching mentality, right? And it feels like Gerard Mayo is built that way. The question about Gerard Mayo is the question that I have about every single disciple from Bill Belichick, which is, are you going to be Bill Belichick or are you going to take what you've learned from Bill Belichick be and, and be yourself and then take what you've learned from Belichick to help build up the program, right? To me, I look at Gerard Mayo as the kind of guy based off of who he was as a player and who he's been as a coach as I think he's going to have his own identity as the head coach. I don't see him being Eric Mangini, who who went into Cleveland and went into the Jets as trying to be like, I'm going to be Bill Belichick 2.0. Same thing with McDaniels. Same thing with Charlie Weiss. Same thing with Romeo Cornell, right? And we saw towards the end of Romeo Cornell's coaching career when he was the interim head coach for the Texans a couple of years ago, we saw him kind of just be himself. And that was the best version of a head coach of Romeo Cornell that we've ever seen. Right. And I expect that Gerard Mayo has seen this come. He's been a player. He's been in the locker room. And that's the one thing that separates Gerard Mayo from all of the past Belichick disciples is that not only is he the guy who's going to take over for Belichick and he's all the makings and experience to be a head coach, but he played. Right. And the only other example of a guy who played for Belichick that we're seeing, or I guess there's two technically, but guys who've been around Belichick who've turned into head coaches are Mike Vrabel and Kevin O'Connell. And both of them have been excellent head coaches. And that's because they've been unapologetically themselves. And the one thing I've heard time after time working with former NFL players being around the sport is that when you get to the NFL player in college, College kids eat up all the the rah-rah bullshit stuff that P.J. Fleck and all those guys come up with, right? That stuff works and sell is sold in college to some level, right? You're not quite the Nick Saban level, but like you're going to be a good hit coach. You're going to make a bunch of money. What you see from NFL guys is they're over that. 
right? They, they're, they're, you're talking to a room full of guys who are 22 right out of college, all the way to 36, 37 years old who are full grown adults with kids. They don't want the rah rah bullshit type stuff. They want you to just be yourself. And if you are unapologetically yourself, that is like the baseline for being able to be a successful head coach. And I think Gerard Mayo knows that as a guy who's been in locker rooms, who's who spent his career as a player before becoming a coach. Same thing with Vrabes, same thing with Kevin O'Connell. They are unapologetically themselves as head coaches. And as long as Gerard Mayo brings that mentality and then picks and chooses the stuff he learned from Bill as to how to run practice, the ins and outs, the stuff that's invaluable, being around the greatest coach of all time. If you can cherry pick the stuff that that guy's elite at to add to your repertoire as a head coach, then you will be successful. So to me, I think this is a slam dunk hire. I think going with a four, you know, like if this was say Josh McDaniels had never taken the Raiders job and just stayed as the OC for the bill or for the Patriots all the way up until Belichick left, retired, whatever. And then he was the heir apparent. I don't think that would have worked. Same thing with Bill O'Brien, same thing with all these guys. I think going with a player who knows what it means to be yourself, to be authentic as a head coach is going to go a really, really long way. And so I, I loved that they went that route. I think they could have gone with the Vrabel thing, but I think it speaks volumes of who Kraft is as an owner and and what Belichick did as, as a coach, you know, to be like, hey, this is the guy. It, he Him right here. We, we've decided on this years ago. For whenever the end might be, this is the guy who's going to take over. And until then, Gerard Mayo was trying to be a sponge, soak up as much information as possible. I think he's going to do great. I can't wait. Uh, we have Vito now. So, Vito, your thoughts uh, on the, the Cowboys retaining McCarthy as well as Gerard Mayo uh, being named the head coach of the New England Patriots. First off, I want to say thanks to these boys. I think the listeners need to know, like, Scotty and Jeff a lot of times are waiting around for me with my travel BS, so I'm delayed and all this stuff. just want to say thanks to the boys. Uh, but what We're I, all what on I, it. It's all right, but It's not just but, but the point is, like, I think the listeners deserve a little sneak peek into the, the BS that sometimes happen, right? But I will say this. Mike McCarthy getting his job back, I think, is deserved. I'm I'm surprised. I thought if they lost that, he was going to go and they were going to snag Billy. But they didn't. And And you know what? I also – but then I thought more about it and realized I don't think Jerry Jones – being the GM slash owner and Bill Belichick would have meshed. I think that Jerry wants the final say, but so does Bill. And I thought that could have been literally two of the top five strongest heads in NFL history in a room together. Like that's not a good idea. So yeah. um, I, I pretty like, and I, and I think what's cool at Mike is he's really like, you saw him even through all that stuff. He doesn't, he doesn't freak out. He's a really like even keel guy. I think it's a good balance. I think he's the right guy for that locker room. He's obviously done well. I think it's good. Um, now. Well, hold up real quick we, on that. Cause I just yeah. thought of, I just thought of one other thought here that I want to add in here. I, I think what we've seen out of, you know, uh, Jason Garrett, or sorry, not Jason Garrett out of Jerry Jones over the last, 12, 13 years, right? Essentially going back to Wade Phillips, right? Hmm. Remember, it was it was Bill Parcells, yeah. Bill Parcells into Wade Phillips. Wade Phillips for only three years, which I learned that recently or relearned that recently, and I was like, Wade Phillips was the coach for like six years. He was only the head coach for the for the the Cowboys for three years. The I'm same surprise is that long. That's Wade, Wade Phillips was the was the head coach as long as Mike McCarthy has been the head coach. 
which that that blows my mind because in my in my mind's eye, as a kid growing up hating the Cowboys, I felt like Wade Phillips was there for a long time. But what we learned was post Parcells, Jerry Jones hates having anybody who disagrees with him. Like Jerry Jones is is the the worst. Like we're gonna say Tepper, right? And we're, and we'll say Dan Snyder because those guys have done things that are super immature or legally like completely inappropriate as we've right, seen from Dan Snyder's. Yeah, and I don't not think good Jerry's guys. There. Yeah, Jerry Jones. If we're just talking about what it takes to be an owner is the worst owner in professional sports. Like it's not debatable. I I heard a stat. This I, is this I don't is know, crazy. He makes a lot of money. Dude, this is crazy, all right? Yeah, yeah, I mean if look, if we're talking about financial, he's the best owner in all of sports, yeah, right? Exactly. If we're talking about having success on the field of play, out of the four major American sports, somebody went back and did the research. The Cowboys are the third were are, are only the third team in all of American sports since the year 2000 to have a winning percentage as high as they do, which I think the baseline was like at 6,500, like 65% wow. win percentage and not make it to a conference championship. To not even make it to the semifinals of their league. He's one I'll of give you th- one better. You he's one of three or organizations in all of professional American organized sports. Like think about how insane that is to be the fucking Dallas Cowboys yeah. and to be one of the worst playoff teams in the history of professional American sports. I got a great one to add to that. Let's hear it. The, the Cowboys in the last three years have won more games than anybody who has not won a title in that three years. Wow. So take even the bills in the nineties who lost four straight. The Cowboys in the last three years have more wins than, than they did in any of those three years. In fans, any of those three years. Including the wins in the playoff. Like they it's crazy to think that, like, or not in the playoff, like in the like combined. They have yeah. done so much and so much regular season success and flopped on their faces. But I do think, again, for Jerry, this is the right guy. That's all I'm saying. It, it's for exactly, and that's the point, right? Yes. For Jerry. It's Jerry. Yes. Jerry once and 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 put the earmuffs on the kids here, okay? Jerry wants a pussy. All right. Mm-hmm. Jerry wants somebody that he can bully, that he can push over, that he can overrule. Jerry wants someone who has no fucking spine, who is just happy to be the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys and cash those checks. That's what Jerry Jones wants. He doesn't want somebody I'll, to push back on him, right? But yeah, I, I, hey, throw my hat in the ring. I'll, I'll gladly <laughs> yeah, right. do that job for a year. Are you kidding me? And I would, and I could do as good of, not couldn't do as good of a job. But like, I could be the head coach. We'd probably be the worst team in the NFL. We almost definitely would be. But like, for the talent that they have, yeah. The biggest problem with the Dallas Cowboys as an organization is when they hire their head coaches since Parcells, which Parcells, even Parcells, was at the end of his line as a coach, right? So he wasn't the the piss and vinegar Bill Parcells from the Giants and the Patriots that we knew him from. We're talking about Bill Parcells at the end of the line, who was clearly still an angry guy, but he wasn't like, he wasn't prime Bill Parcells. Jerry Jones, essentially going back to Jimmy Johnson, hates the idea of a coach who pushes back on him. Jerry, Jerry doesn't want conflict. He wants to be the one who's right. 
And ultimately, it comes down to when you have a billionaire whose ego is so massively inflated because of all the financial numbers and everything that goes into it, his ego is so massive that to him, anybody who pushes back on him, he will not tolerate because he has to be the one to do it. Because in every other facet of his life, he's been the one who was good enough, smart enough, strong enough, whatever, to win. And the, the fact of the matter is, if you don't have that humility to know the things that you don't know, to answer to the people who who like to, to get that input, you are just setting your team up for failure time after time. And the biggest problem is like, yeah, you can win a bunch of games in the regular season, but when's it most important for your coach to have a set of balls, for your coach to have a backbone in the fucking playoffs? I mean... I, the, the Packers as an organization have more wins in AT&T Stadium than the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, that is that stat alone is unreal, right? Like, and, and, and considering it's not like we're talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars or the Detroit Lions. I mean, the Lions have, if they win this weekend, will have as many wins as the Dallas Cowboys since 1995 in the playoffs. Meanwhile, the Lions haven't won a fucking playoff game until this weekend, in 32 years. That's how bad the Dallas Cowboys are in the postseason. <laughs> and as long as that mentality stays the same, because Vrabel will push back on, on Jerry Jones. Belichick will push back on Jerry oh, Jones. Yeah, All neither of these guys those. will. Yeah. So as long and, as you keep nice, big, fat-faced Mike McCarthy there, who's not going to question Jerry Jones, or the clapper Jason Garrett, or or, or ancient Bill Parcells, or Brian Phillips. Can it's I just mention same. real quick, now that you mentioned Jason Garrett, like why was he calling a game this past weekend? Yeah, that Jason was, Garrett is that awful. was bad. Every uh, every time he's on yeah. my TV screen, I want to I want like when Brady takes Greg Olson's spot, Greg Olson needs to take that spot. I don't know how the, oh, all dude, the things work, he, it, but like that was bad. I, it I was worse. We we muted. It was it. worse was, the the yeah. game on NBC when they did the the pregame, and and he was on the panel. And they were talking about how, like, it was after the Cowboys had lost, obviously, because it was the night before. And he was like, well, I know Jerry. And and, and I think Jerry's going to, like, sit down and think about it and and really, really prey on it. And I was like, yeah, he fired you too, dude, the same way. So, like, let's chill the fuck out. But, again, like, that's <laughs> the Jason. The Jason Garrett used to be the head coach of the Cowboys. That's the only reason he's in that chair. The best case scenario best case scenario and i'm not wishing this because i i enjoy the guy i'm about to talk about as a broadcaster but greg olson is so fucking good at broadcasting and this next season tom brady's going to 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 come in and kick him out right and i think brady will be very good i think it's gonna be really yeah, fun I'm seeing really brady excited. in there i'm very curious to see how it's gonna go but greg olson is awesome like i think right now in terms of color analysts i think greg olson is the best that we have Chris Collinsworth has been doing this for a while. And I like Chris Collinsworth a lot, okay? I do. I really think Chris Collinsworth retiring in the next year so that way that NBC job opens up and Greg Olson can just slide over to NBC and be with Mike Tirico. Because Scotty and I talked about this on Tuesday or Wednesday's pod. We record on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Scotty and I talked about this. I think Mike Tirico is the best play-by-play guy that we have right now. I think him and Joe Buck are right there. I like Kevin Burkhart. I think he's great with Fox. But I think Tirico, the little nuances and the shit that he does right now is phenomenal. 
If you put Greg Olson with, with Mike Tirico, that's your Sunday night football booth for the next 25 years. And I would sign up for that in a heartbeat, dude. That is as good of a booth as you could possibly have. I think the best play-by-play with the best color analyst, or at least one of the tops in each on NBC. I love Collinsworth. He's been great for a year. This guy, I again, love Collinsworth. Give me Greg Olson in the booth of Mike Tirico. That would be fucking gold. I agree. I actually thought, why not just take Brady and put him with Tarico? Um, Like these guys already have a chemistry, like just in why, first of all, I agree with your Tarico take. I think I said this earlier on the pod, but he commentated the 2005 orange bowl when Penn state went to triple overtime against Florida state. Oh yes. And one of the greatest comments back and forth overtime. Yeah. Yeah. Then Mike, uh, uh, Michael Robinson led that touchdown right before half. There's so many great plays in that game, and he is the voice you hear through them all and killed it. And ever, I remember it's like since a kid, I was like, this is the guy. And to your point, Jeff, I think early in the season, I didn't think he was there. I still said Al Michaels is the GOAT. NBC acknowledged it. Listen, I, I think that like Tariko is, is taking – he's in his prime, and he's ahead of everybody, I think. Yeah. I look, and, I, I, and I like Buck too, but yeah, I think Joe Buck's awesome. the guy. I think Tariko's the guy. Al Michaels going to Amazon is like Michael Jordan going to the Wizards. It's like, it, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's inarguable. Like Al Michaels is the GOAT. Like he is the best. Okay. Him going to Amazon is when Michael Jordan signed. And look. Right, Michael Jordan. Yes, good Michael yeah. Jordan still dropped forty-five a few times in a wizard uniform. He still averaged twenty-five a game as a wizard. All right, like Jordan still had his moments. All right, when he was in that, just like Al still having his moments with the with Amazon. All right, but he is he is in that last chapter, man. And Thursday night football is perfect for him because it's like, hey, we get a little taste of Al, but it's not a game that matters. And like even when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, Al Michaels and Collinsworth were on the call, and it was one of the worst final calls in Super Bowl history. It, it, and a part of it was because like there was some question as to whether time had run out, and it was a little awkward with that. I get it, but even then, in 2017-2018, Al wasn't throwing his fastball anymore. You get your right? moment. You didn't have you, your three, two. Yeah, exactly. One. Like, no, do you believe in miracles? Exactly. I didn't <laughs> right. care. I didn't care. You know, I was just happy the Eagles won the Super Bowl. But like, removed and like looking back on it, I'm like, yeah, it wasn't really the best call that we could have had in that moment. All benefit of the doubt. But I think Tariko and like this, it goes to like, unlike Jerry Jones, I listen to the people that know more than me. So I listen to the people that I worked with in broadcasting for a long time who just drool over Mike Tirico and the stuff that he's able to do and how seamless it all is. Tirico, Greg Olson, Sunday Night Football, make it happen. That way we can get our afternoons with Tom Brady and Burkhart. I think that would be great. I agree with you. If Brady signed with NBC and he was the heir apparent to Crownsworth, I think that'd be even just as good. Because the chemistry of Burkhart and Greg Olson is phenomenal. They did such a good job in the Super Bowl last year. But other than that, if you can solve that problem, and I hate, again, not trying to force Collinsworth out of retirement or into retirement. I like Collinsworth. But we need Greg Olson calling big-time games because he is he is so, so good at doing that. And Buck and Aikman aren't going anywhere. 
Nance and Romo aren't going anywhere. And then you look at the, the other two. I mean, yeah, the rest of it's kind of up for grabs. Um, all right. We went down a side tangent there. I was not anticipating. Um, but we, we got I to a broadcaster think, talk. Yeah. You know, but we got to what I think is one of the best analogies we've ever had on this podcast. So I yeah, <laughs> Al Michaels is in his, his Jordan wizards era right now. And, uh, and I love that for him. He can go eat all the steaks and and zero vegetables that he wants moving forward because he is he's the goat for a reason. Uh, all right, let's hop into the games this weekend. Uh, actually, let's take a quick break. We'll do a quick break first since we we went off the rails a little bit and hit some some talk some some broadcasting talk. Uh, so we'll hit that. We'll come back. We'll start previewing the games for the divisional weekend. We got four games coming up. Get ready. We have picks, and uh, we'll get ready for that on the other side. All right, time to get ready for the NFL divisional round. We have four games to get to. We Eight have teams left. Up. Eight teams. Your teams remaining are the Houston Texans, Baltimore Ravens, the Chiefs, and the Buffalo Bills in the AFC. And then we have the Green Bay Packers, San Francisco 49ers, and then the surprise Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Detroit Lions. Two NFC North teams remain. Uh, and I believe what we do, we have one from, yeah, we have one from each division remaining in the AFC. So lots of parody going on. All the division winners win in the AFC. Uh, we start Saturday, 430 Eastern time, 130 Pacific Texans at Ravens, the Ravens and Vito, you aren't here, but I did a little, little bit of Bill Simmons guess the lines. And uh, I, I I was within a point of every single one, and I got one or right half. on the nose. Yeah. Wow, yeah. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> yeah, I was. I did good, man. I was. I was. I've always wanted to try that, and uh, I nailed it. Did very very well. Uh, but we will generate soul. I love it. You got to have it if you're gonna. <laughs> you've guess worn. This stuff. You've worn off on me, bud. Uh, and not in the fun way. Uh, in the in the in the heartbreaking degenerate way. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's start in here with the Texans at the Ravens. Before we do this, though, I, I I do I just mentioned Bill Simmons, and and he is in my you know he's known as the Pod Father, right? Because he was early, early into the the podcasting mm. game back in like two thousand eight, two thousand nine. He's had this belief of a long time. He calls it his NFL playoff manifesto, you know, Connor Stallions manifesto style. Okay, we're talking about you know, rules that apply year after year to the NFL playoffs. And the one, and some of them I don't fully agree with, uh, but the one that I I do, and, and this is the one that I think speaks to me in, in this case, in, a, in these two games on Saturday, which is beware of the team that looks too good in the wild card round. And that's exactly what we have with the Texans and the Packers here, right? The Texans looked awesome in the first round. The Packers looked awesome in the first round. Now, granted, the Browns' defense is legit. The Packers de- or the the Cowboys' team as a whole, we thought were very legit. So, typically, that rule is is applied towards like, oh, you're playing a bad team that snuck into the playoffs. Not quite here in this case, right? Because it's like, all right, the Browns were a legit team. The Cowboys, we thought were a legit team. But I still think the rule applies. Now, the the Texans, Ravens, Texans are a nine-point underdog in Baltimore. These teams played week one, CJ Stroud's first start. And that game was a lot closer. I think it was 25, 26 to nine, something in that ballpark. 
Uh, and going in, we talked about it at the time. And even a few weeks after, we were like, man, we kind of expected the Ravens to roll this game, right? Ravens coming with a new offense coordinator. Texans in a clear rebuilding mode. That's where we came into the season. Neither of those things end up being true. Obviously, the Ravens got going later. They're coming off the bye week. The Texans end up making the playoffs, winning their division, and winning a wild card round as they've become one of the last eight teams. I'm very excited for this matchup. But ultimately, I think the youth will catch up to the Texans at some point because that's kind of been their story arc, right? They've looked unbelievable in so many games this year. And we've had so many big-time moments from C.J. Stroud. You know, the comeback against the Buccaneers comes to mind. We've seen a few of those big moments from the Texans. I think maybe if you had that deep threat burner and Tank Dell, that maybe I'd feel a little bit different. But this Ravens defense is playing on another level. I'm leaning towards the Ravens here at minus nine. Thinking about that, beware of the team that looked too good in round one. But I'm curious as to what you guys think. So, Vito, we'll start with you. Texans, Ravens, Baltimore's a nine-point favorite. Where are you leaning in this game? This is tough. I, I think the Texans are a great team. I really think CJ Stroud's the truth. And I'll say this. I bet you we're going to look back. This is my this is I, I realized this this weekend. I can't wait to share this with you boys. I bet you we're going to look back at Ohio State when he was there and we're going to be like, how the fuck did that team I, not win? People already are, man. And, right. But I think we're going to see it like a 30 for 30 doc. And like I just. It's one of those things because I have a lot of Ohio State friends and all of that. And like I've heard about it since back then, but um, can't believe just can't believe it. Uh, he's looking so good in the NFL. Like we're talking about a guy who could really be. Um, you know, like it's funny because we're we've been around, right? We had the Brady, Manning, Rogers, like Drew Brees, those guys are like the legends. And we're already on to the next group here of Josh Allen and Pat Mahomes and all these guys. And then all of a sudden we have the next generation already, and it's CJ Stroud. Like it, it happened quick, I feel like, Run to get to the third yeah. cycle. I don't know. But the problem is the Ravens defense. That Ravens pass defense, I think, is the truth. And I think the Ravens can run the clock out on people. I like what the Texans have on defense, but I think it's built way better for pass, like in rushing than it is for run defense. They, they really did a great job last week though. But I will say, I think at the end of the day, if you're even talking about just the best quarterback, which sometimes we do on the pod, I'm still going with Lamar over CJ. I think he's met. He's finally at the point where it's like, Hey man, yeah, you're in this class, but it's hard to win. And maybe he just doesn't know better and he'll go out there and ball out. Like, you know, we've seen guys do like Joe Burrow and some other young quarterbacks, but I, I have a feeling that, you know, Lamar is the guy I still, I, you know, I have been the Super Bowl since the beginning of the year. I'm riding the Ravens. I actually think they even cover this, which is crazy minus nine at home. But I think finally, like, you know, clock strikes midnight carriage turns to a pumpkin for, uh, for CJ Stroud, although he's not Cinderella, this dude's going to be around forever. He's he's more of a Goliath than a David, I think, when we look back on his career. But I'm going to go ahead and take the Ravens to cover this. And, and a lot of it's to their pass defense. I think they're going to create some turnovers. And with their running attack, adding Dalvin Cook, like this is going to be a whole different. Like, I, I think he's actually going to get five to ten carries and make a difference, too. Yeah, I, you know, like that all sounds incredible. Like that does like the, the, the Ravens look like the team to beat and earned to buy. And then 
we talked about the, the my team. We talked about the Niners that way for for five weeks until the Ravens came into town on Christmas Day and absolutely demolished them. So, uh, you know, who's to say? You know, I I view this game a lot like how the Packers went into Dallas last week, right? It's it's, it's going to be pretty easy for Baltimore to get their 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 asshole a little tight in this game. Well, we have all these expectations. We were the best team in the AFC. We, we, we rolled through all the, all the tough games that we played. Um, we have to win this game, right? Can't overlook CJ Stroud. Can't overlook the Texans. Those guys are just out there balling out. Like I said, on, on, on Wednesday's pod, they, they all don't have any expectations, you know, you know, like usually when you get a team like this, it's, it's a handful of rookie guys that are looking to veterans to be like, Hey, how do we play in these games? Like, what is the MO? Like what, what, how do we prepare ourselves? Um, what do we do uh, to get ready for these games and, and be effective in them? And everyone in the Texans locker room, D'Amico included, uh, as the head coach is looking around being like, I don't fucking know. Like, like, let's, let's just go ball out and been, do what we've been doing all season long. And I think they continue to do that. I really do. Uh, I know CJ Stroud's been, you know, that where, where he's, he's struggled is against man defense against really good defenses that, that jets game. I, I can think of in particular uh, against a really good defense that played man a lot. I expect the Baltimore Ravens to do that too, but I expect that offense to look like they, they're like they're, they're sphincters tightening up a little bit. And, and, and I expect, the the Texans offense to take advantage. They can get up and play in front. Uh the Texans and I love their defense too. I think that that's one of the the few defenses in the left in the AFC that can that can sort of control uh what Lamar brings to the table um as well as they've played. So uh I wouldn't be shocked if they went outright um the Texans, but uh, I will definitely take them to cover the nine points. Um that that they're given. I definitely think it's possible for them to to cover the nine points. However, I, I look at this and like I think this is the worst possible draw for a young team like the Texans, who I agree with you, Scotty. Like they're playing with uh, a certain level of uh, blissful ignorance, right? Like they don't quite understand. Like they understand it's a playoffs. They understand it's a big moment, but they don't have the battle scars, right? You know, like Robert Woods and some of the older veterans on that team. You know, Brian Cashman, the guys like that. Yeah, they have, you know, they have some of the battle scars, no question. But the core of this team, right? Will Anderson, CJ Stroud, these guys, they don't, they don't have the the experience in the postseason to really know any better. And we've to this point have said that that's a positive for them, right? I think this is where the inexperience bites them in the ass, right? And and, and for the record, no matter what happens in this game. The Texans the are win-win. already an unmitigated yeah. success, right? You can only build off of what we've seen so far out of the Houston Texans because they're only going to get better. They have a ton of cap space. They could go out and get T. Higgins. They can go out and get somebody in there uh, or, or multiple pieces in there. They can build through the draft. They have plenty of opportunity to still be a really, really good football team. But I look at the Houston Texans and what they have built up. And to me, it's like, is there a bigger gap? between going up against Joe Flacco at 39 years old and Lamar Jackson in terms of pressuring the quarterback. 
Like that has to be the biggest gap possible when it comes to getting after the quarterback and actually bringing the quarterback down, particularly the way that Lamar Jackson has been playing. Right. And, and you consider both offensive lines are probably about even considering some of the injuries that the Browns so have had throughout the year. I was going to say, but, but, but I, I, I think the line or the Ravens offensive line is, is just as good as the Browns. The biggest difference is, is let's say that Will Anderson beats, you know, uh, you know, beats Laramie Tunsil or, or not Laramie, Laramie Tunsil, beats Ronnie Staley or Stanley or be, beats one of these guys on the outside. Right. Now you got to bring down Lamar. Lamar is the hardest quarterback to sack in the NFL. It's not easy to do that, right? So you might be battling, battling, and the one time the you get home, it. the one time, yeah, but again, that's a rarity, right? We're talking about an outlier there. Overwhelmingly throughout his career, the hardest quarterback to bring down over the last five, six years is Lamar Jackson. Lamar is going to be able to dance around, stay on his feet, figure out ways to make plays, I, to me, I think that's extremely difficult to do. And for as good as the Browns' defense was, and yes, they lit them up even with Miles Garrett being, you know, 60, 70% of what Miles Garrett normally is, they're going up against a scheme in Mike McDonald. And everyone talked about this with the with the Michigan National Championship too, because they're still running the same scheme that Mike McDonald was running when he was the defensive coordinator at Michigan. It's really difficult to figure out. So if the Texans win this game, or even if they cover this game, I will be even more impressed with what I've than, than what I've seen to this point. To me, this is the worst case scenario for the Houston Texans, where it's like if you got the Chiefs or if they got the Bills, I think the Texans are in that game. I think because you're trying to bring down Lamar and how elusive he can be from that quarterback position, and you're going up against a defense that is as difficult to figure out with a rookie quarterback. I have a very hard time seeing this team be able to move the ball. And this is one of those teams that you go like, beware of the team that looked really, really good in round one. The Texans looked awesome, but the Browns defense in the super wild card round was a far cry away from the, the Cleveland Browns defense in week two, when everybody was healthy and they were playing at light speed, right? No Grant Delpit. You're getting a, a fraction of, of Miles Garrett. You're getting a dinged up Zadarius Smith. Like the best player on that defense, Denzel Ward was banged up, banged up, right? Like the best version of that Browns defense, the best player on that Browns defense was Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa. Like, and that's it, right? So it's like if the best player on that defense is a middle linebacker, you go into it feeling like you have an advantage. And yes, they looked way better than we thought, even with the injuries and the banged up and and, and the 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 lower levels of competition than we're used to seeing out of some of their star guys. The Ravens are fully healthy. They're very good in that secondary. They have the best safety in football. They have a really good defensive line and they're the best linebacking unit. The Texans struggle to run the ball all season. Yes, they picked it up in the last four or five weeks, but now you're going to have to do that against Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen and a really, really good defensive line and a really, really good defensive coordinator. I have a hard time seeing the Texans be able to run the football in this game, which means it's going to become entirely a C.J. Stroud show, which means he's probably going to throw the ball 40 to 50 times. Yes, I'm sure he'll connect on some. Yes, I think the Texans will be able to score some points, but I don't think the Texans' defense is going to be able to get home against this Ravens offense. You get two weeks of rest, three weeks of rest, and Lamar is going to come into this game full-fledged. I expect this, if I was going to be like really creative with the betting, Maybe take Texans first quarter money line, right? 
maybe if you think the Texans are going to come out hot because the Ravens are going to be a little rusty coming off of three weeks of rest for the starters. I like that play in terms of value, but overall in the game, I think this is Ravens. I think the Ravens dominate the second half of this game. They supposedly might have Mark Andrews back. If not this week, the next week. So I love the Ravens here. Nine points is a lot, but I'm going to roll with the Ravens minus nine covering the spread in this game. Lock, locking that in, but I think it's my favorite one of the week. So give me the uh, the Ravens minus nine. Where are you guys at on the spread? I'm taking the I'm Texans, Ravens, like I said. And, okay, yeah. so Vito's on the Ravens. Scotty's on the Texans to cover Texans, the spread. And, and again, I wouldn't be shocked if the Texans went outright. All right, Scotty's rolling with the Texans. Vito and I end with the Ravens minus nine. Uh, all right, let's go to the Saturday night game. Scotty. How you feeling, bud? Couple weeks off. Uh, pretty you're good. Brock Purdy in a few weeks. You're the, you're the last one of us, bro. How's <laughs> yeah, that? That's what I, I said. said I Jeff. said at the beginning of the pod before you came on, Vito. I said I wish the Broncos could have played for the Eagles because that would have been a more entertaining game than what the Eagles put out on Monday night. So, uh, but yes, Vito and I are out. It's up to you, Scotty. You I'll, have I'll your carry team the left torch in. for you, boys. Yeah, how I'll carry are, the how are we feeling? You. Right? Are we feeling some Good. rust? Do you Look, think they're going to come in, hit the ground running? How are we feeling? No, I mean we're we're still banged up. Um, which you know when you get to this time of the year, that's that's par for the course. But guys are going to play through injuries. Drake Greenlaw with an Achilles uh, is is a big factor. Um, we'll see. Trent Williams has been banged up, uh, but he's had two weeks off. McCaffrey, and it's hard because most of these guys didn't play in Week 18, right? So you you don't know what you're going to get. Um, but I do know that they've been practicing in full in, in, in days that they, they shouldn't be practicing similar to the Ravens, like go out and practice on a Friday of a bye week Like that's what the Niners have been doing too. So, uh, I'm not, I'm less concerned with the, the injury part of it, uh, insofar as going into the game. Um, but again, like uh, the Packers are one of those teams. Like I, I don't want to, what I think the, the Cowboys did, going into that game was not only, you know, recognizing the opponent, recognizing it's in their stadium and all the the media rhetoric about like how the, the Packers dominate you and you're in your house all week long. Um, what we see on the other side is, is the Niners have dominated the Packers, particularly at home in the playoffs in the same way. Um, what I don't want to get into the business of is, is negotiating like, the the underestimation of that Packers team because that is a at the end of the day a really good football team offensive line has played better Aaron Jones healthy is a, is a weapon Jordan Love I think is is the truth um, and and those weapons on the outside are good the big question mark is the defense so like I uh, you know it was great when they were playing in front ahead of the Cowboys last week but can they keep up with the Niners and right? Like, especially if we get the ball first, are they going to be able to keep up with, and even if we don't, are they going to be able to keep up with Brock Purdy and Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel and George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk and Trent Williams? And then on on defense, like, how many looks can we give Jordan Love that that are going to be like, oh, dude, you got to figure this shit out <laughs> or else, uh, you know, <laughs> this ain't your game, bud, um, which I think is going to happen. Um, I, I, I legitimately think like at the end of the day, as good as they played, uh, last week in Dallas, um, 
I think that was that was more an affront on on Dallas, you know. As I said in the last segment, closing their uh, their sphincter a little bit to uh, to try to make sure that they win the game. Uh, with San Francisco, it's like, hey, dude, just play your game. You're better than this team, like top to bottom yeah. at every position, at every position level. You're better than this team. Go out and play Jordan your game, Love. and uh, you can have that argument. That's fine. Um, I'll give you that one. But like, I would still take the the Niners roster. Yeah, no question. And, and, ten and, times out of ten. And, yeah, fucking throw Christian McCaffrey back there. I don't care. He's still better. Um, but dude, like, no, I like go play your game the way you do at home, and you'll be good to go. That's that's my philosophy. No, and look, I I agree. I look, I think this is again like if we were doing our locks, like lock this in, stone cold lead pipe, lock it in, right? Uh, the the forty eight points from the Packers is the most points they scored all year by 10 all right the closest they came to that was in week one against the bears when they put up 38 uh the next closest we saw in week 16 week 17 they put up 33 against the panthers and the vikings all right the vikings defense was pretty good at certain points this year same thing with the panthers uh but the big difference here is like look you're not going to get the pick sixes right you're not going to get the pick six against Dak. you're not going to get the multiple interceptions if purdy absolutely well, implodes that is a possibility but i think the niners can control this game playing within their own scheme and i think the best thing that could happen is like yeah i know debo was a little banged up in that niners game so we haven't seen him in a few or in the ravens game we haven't seen him in a few weeks uh kittle he's somebody that can always benefit from getting rest same thing with mccaffrey you're giving these guys three weeks to get healthy and I, I mean, we saw it when they came in week one against Pittsburgh, right? Like they don't need a ramp up. They're too, they're so fucking talented. They don't need that ramp up period. They just need rest to be healthy. And when we're, when they're on the field, they're practically unbeatable. I mean, with their starters, they are 12 and one this season. All right. When they, when they have their starting lineup on the field, the Niners are 12 and one. One loss came in week 18 with backups. The other three came with injuries and 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 Purdy getting knocked out. And then same thing with Trent Williams and Debo. When they're all healthy, there's nothing this team can do. And ultimately, like Joel Barry's defense, like Joel Barry was the laughing stock of the NFL in November and December. We laughed at Joel Barry for how bad he was as the defensive coordinator. He shows up and has a great game plan against the Cowboys. But Mike McCarthy is the offensive play caller versus Kyle Shanahan is like going up to a drag race where you're driving a Honda Civic and the guy next to you is driving a souped up Ferrari. Like it's just not going to happen. All right. We're talking about the best in the business at what he does in Kyle Shanahan versus a guy who notoriously chokes with a quarterback who also notoriously chokes. The one thing I'll say is like Purdy has limited playoff experience. He still has limited experience overall. The one way that Green Bay stays in this game is if the moment and the pressure and everything gets to Purdy after what happened last year in Philly, right? And he he gets into one of those mental yip situations where he's so worried about somebody catching him off the backside. But we haven't seen a single sign of that out of Purdy this year. He's been fearless. He's taken hit after hit. He's delivered the football in perfect fashion time after time after time. And even if... Purdy doesn't have his best day. 
oh, you have the best running back in the NFL to hand the ball off to and get you yards, who, by the way, has been sitting for three weeks. Like, <laughs> they are so set up to dominate this game against what is considered to be one of the worst defensive coordinators in the NFL. Dak Prescott, for as bad as he was, still threw for 400-plus yards, still threw for multiple touchdowns, and what killed the Cowboys was how bad they were in the first half. If the Cowboys came out and played half as good in the first half as they did in the second half in that game, Green Bay wins by they they have 50 plus points and they win that game. But the two interceptions, the pick six and the interception to Jair Alexander, the Cowboys offense got simplified to throw the ball, throw the ball to CD lamb. And then we'll figure out everything else after that. That's essentially, if you boil it down to its simplicity, that's what the Cowboys offense is. Joel Barry's defense cannot handle this offense. They do not have the people. They do not have the phases because it's so multiple. There's so many options. And I'm not saying this in any sort of jinx scenario. There's just, there's no way that Joel Barry's defense is going to be able to contain this team. So the only way that the offense for San Francisco can really let Green Bay into this game is throwing interceptions, turning the ball over, which I don't anticipate them doing. Or the defense not showing up, which, again, I have a very hard time seeing that. You could say Green Bay can run the ball all they want, but the San Francisco offense is going to score touchdowns. So they're going to have to go shot for shot with it. And as good as you know Jordan Love's looked, I don't think it continues here. I think this is an absolute lock. San Francisco should win this game easily. I'm on the Niners too. I mean, you guys laid it out, but just to hammer it down one more time, I I really believe that this defense against the Packers is going to make a difference, but it's the offense of the Niners. Uh, If they're all healthy, this is the best group. And to your point about not needing a ramp up, they're too talented. Talented. They just really don't need it. Like they're going to be okay to roll in with their studs and line up and just, hey, we're going to take our one-on-one opportunities and we're going to win most like of them. We're, and we're they better than year. you. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a cockiness that is earned. And uh, I think this is just their tune-up game almost to get ready for their playoff run, which is only going to be two more games after this. So um, I don't know. I, I think they're going to go ahead God and willing. smack them down. <laughs> and I think they're going to cover the, the nine and a half, which is a lot of fucking points. Like this is crazy a little bit here. But I do think they cover it. I mean, the Packers are great. If the Packers cover this, I would not be surprised. But um, I don't think they have a chance to win. And, and I mean, it was I a smaller spread when Raheem Mostert went for like 150 and three touchdowns to get us into the Super Bowl four years ago. <laughs> That's funny. Um, Against the Packers. I mean, yeah, the Niners <laughs> own the Packers too. You know, like this yeah. this whole mentality. I mean, I no, look, no one was anticipating Green Bay moving the ball against that Dallas defense. So I, I don't I'm not saying that it's impossible that Green Bay's offense can't score points against San Francisco. No, but I think that was their Super Bowl. <laughs> like if yeah. I'm being honest. Yeah, well, and not only that, like I, I look at like the number one thing that people can you know said about Dallas's defense is they're small, right? Aaron Jones can can run you can run the ball against Dallas. Philly was able to do that, Miami was able to do that, teams were able to do that against Dallas all year. San Francisco's a really, really tough team to try to run the ball against, particularly with how strong they are at that linebacker position. And if that's how San, Green Bay is going to try to move the ball, I mean, Jordan Love only completed, I think it was 16 passes. 16 for 21, yeah. In that game. 
right? When you think back to it in your mind's eye, you think, oh, wow, Jordan Love threw the ball all over the place. Looks Not incredible. really. Jordan Love really just like they, the Packers just ran the ball. You're not going to be able to do that against San Francisco. So you're going to have to adjust. And if it's going to be a lot like Jordan Love throwing the ball 40 times, that's a win for San Francisco. Because for as good as Jordan Love has looked in the closing stretch here, there's been a lot of moments this year where Jordan Love has made a lot of mistakes. He throws a lot of dangerous passes. And we know that that's secondary. You got a ton of ball hawks around there in San Francisco. I, I think it's an absolute lock. I think San Francisco wins this game in a landslide. So we're all on the Niners going into uh, Saturday. Uh, Sunday, Tampa Bay, Detroit. This is probably – I mean, the Sunday games are, are the most entertaining games. Detroit is a six-and-a-half-point favorite here against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, I definitely have some concerns for Detroit in this game. Look, they've been the number one rushing defense for a while. I think that helps them in this game. Uh, and then the other thing, too, is like if they're able to get after Baker and make him uncomfortable – we saw Philly when the defensive line started to actually show up a little bit in that in that third quarter. Tampa Bay's offense started to stall out, right? The secondary was so bad for Philly that it didn't really matter. Eventually, Baker was going to, you know, that that touchdown pass, the deep throw touchdown pass where he just chucked it up in the third quarter, end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter. He just threw it up there and hoped that somebody was going to catch it. And Avante Maddox is running around with his head. Like, where the hell is that ball coming from? Like, you're not going to get away with that against this Lions defense because I feel the Lions are just more fundamentally sound. Easy to say when the Eagles had probably the worst secondary in the NFL closing down the stretch there. Um, to me, it's more about how does this Lions offense move the ball against Tampa Bay? And if Tampa Bay's defense plays at the level that they played on, you know, Monday night, which, again, a lot of that has to do with the Eagles' incompetencies – it's kind of hard to judge exactly how good Tampa Bay's defense is playing. Now, yes, they shut out the Panthers. What does that mean? Yes, they've played good defense, right? But they also struggled against New Orleans down the stretch. They struggled against Atlanta. They struggled against a couple of different teams. I think there are too many weapons for the Lions. And, like, the afterthought for the Lions is Josh Reynolds, who's, like, their third receiver. I think you could make the argument he's probably, I mean, outside of Sam Laporta, he's probably their second receiver. Right. You know, in just terms of that wide out position, but Jameson Williams has that dangerous break off the top of the defense type of speed. It's going to put Antonio Winfield in a really tough spot or Antoine Winfield Jr. in that really tough spot. I like the Lions here, but six and a half is a lot of points. I feel like the Lions are too good of a football team. I feel like they should win this game by 10 plus points. Um, but I also understand that, like, when the Buccaneers defense is like rolling, they are really, really good defense, right? And they have like Levante David is still graded out as one of the best linebackers in football, despite his age. So I think running the football is going to be a little bit tougher for the Lions. I do think they're going to be able to throw the ball. The question is, again, just like a lot of these things, is are we going to continue to see Jared Goff? Because Jared Goff had that little bit of a dip around Thanksgiving, where it's like, oh shit, he's starting to get the turnover yips. He's starting to turn over the ball a little bit too much. If Jared Goff's able to get the ball out quickly on time to the right receivers, the Lions should win this game by a touchdown plus. So I'm leaning the Lions, but I need to know, like, hey, is Tampa Bay's defense going to end up being like that top of the line, top, you know, uh, Todd Bowles defense? And that Lions offensive line has done a really good job against the Blitz. They've been the best offensive line in football this year. If they can continue to pick up the Blitz, play really good defensive football, I think they have it again. I, I think the line should cover this. I like the line at six and a half. It was at seven. 
I'd be a little less worried to. Again, I don't know if that's psychological or if that's a real statistical thing. You take him at six and a half versus seven. I like the lines at six and a half, but I do think there's a world where the, the Bucks come out and play A plus defense and we start to see a little bit of that. Hey, Jared Goff's getting a little turnover happy. He's starting to not know where to go with the ball. The pressure's getting to him a little bit. I think as long as the Lions offensive line holds up, which I trust them to do, I like the Lions minus six and a half. I think the same way as you and I, but I'm actually going the Bucks to cover. I think the Lions win, but I think the Bucks are going to play a, a good game here, um, cover the six and a half. I just think that this team right now, um, I think Mike Evans is going to have a day. I think the to your point, it's all about the defense. I think the offense, we know what we need out of them, right? In order to get the the win, like they're going to need to overperform, especially on the line. Um, love what's going on with you know. Mike Evans and and some of the other guys on that team. Um, Shud White's been great. I, I think, though, the Lions just are a better team. They're going to win. I think the Bucs have enough to keep it within six and a half, and that's all we're talking here. Um, yeah, that's that's a late field goal uh, when you're down a bunch. Like, it, it, it's possible for sure. Um, I don't know. I think I think the Lions are, are obviously going to win, in my opinion, but I'm going with the Bucs and the spread. I'm with Avito because you know a franchise that <clears throat> that had an emotional entire day really pregame and 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 all of that for the Detroit Lions having the the home game the home win um, after that um, just a, an, an emotional win too for them um, I think now you go into it and you're like oh holy shit we're one win away from the NFC title game um, like. And and that's kind of where Jared Goff and, and the offense sort of stall a little bit, um, and, and I think you see that early. But I I think anticipate this being sort of a shootout, kind of how it was at the end of uh, in the second half of the uh, the the Rams Lions game in the in the wild card, uh, and you get into a shootout with Baker Mayfield and Jared Goff. Like I am here for that all day long. Like that is entertainment at its highest. Um, and that's what I think helps the Bucks cover, is is the fact that Jared Goff doesn't want to go home, but neither does Baker Mayfield. And you get Baker Mayfield in this situation uh, on the road with a, a shot to get his his uh, his four seed nine and eight team nobody believed in uh, to even win the division, get to the playoffs, let alone to get to the NFC title game, uh, to have a shot at it. I'm betting on Baker Mayfield in that situation eleven times out of ten, um, and, and I'm going to take the Bucks to cover. Uh, at the very least, uh, for him to keep this close, uh, and and for Jared Goff to to sort of be like in that moment where he's like so close, uh, but uh, I'm gonna make a mistake or two. But we've seen him get to the end. We've seen him get to the Super Bowl before. Like I don't think Jared Goff's gonna be phased. I think if Tampa Bay is able to run the, I think football, it's the moment at home in Detroit. That's all I'm saying. I mean, the, no, for sure. And the, don't run. That's a big moment. But I also think if Tampa Bay can't run the football, then their offense becomes completely one dimensional. And that makes it a lot easier for Detroit to be able to defend it. And I don't think Tampa Bay is going to be able to run the football against this team. So I think it's going to be entirely on Baker. And historically, like when you look back on Baker's career, when it's being, when you ask Baker Mayfield to be the sole like everything has to run through you. You have to hit on everything. That's an unrealistic ask for Baker. Like I love Baker. Like again, if he wasn't playing the Eagles in round one, I would have been fucking stoked 
that he won that playoff game because I've always been a Baker fan. I just don't think the Tampa Bay Bucs with Rashad White, who was almost a thousand yard rusher this year, is going to be able to run the football. And if that's the case and you got to go, all right, Baker, this is your show. Throw for 400 yards and three touchdowns and keep us in it. I think that's a tall ask. I think part of the reason he looked as good as he did on Monday night is because Tampa Bay was able to run the ball at will against Philadelphia. Right. And so if they can't run the football and it's all on Baker's shoulders, you're asking a lot out of that guy. And and I don't think Tampa Bay is going to be running the football. So I like the favorite here. I like uh, Detroit minus six and a half. I think just that point value alone, I think the Lions could, I think there's blowout potential in this game because I think the Lions, they're going to get off to a hot start. It's kind of been what the Lions have done all year where they get off to these really, really hot starts. They put up 21 points in the first half. They cool off a little bit in the second half. I think the Lions win this game somewhere in that neighborhood of 28 to 17. And uh, I'm going to roll with the Lions here, minus six. So you guys are both going with like, the Bucks to cover. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to take like the 35, 31. Yeah, that could. I mean, hey, look, I would love to see this be a really, really fun game. Uh, I'm never going to count Baker out because he does have that like fuck you edge to him. But I just I think the Lions top to bottom are a better team. And I think Tampa Bay without the run is going to be really, really tough for them to be, be able to move the ball consistently. So, I mean, the, even just for like three and outs, like we know that Tampa Bay is going to hit on a couple of big plays because of the wide receiver talent that they have. But you're going to go up against a team that tackles really well. Detroit's one of the best tackling teams in football. You get that help in the back end with C.J. Gardner-Johnson back. Um, to me, it's like I don't know how they're going to go on sustained drives without being able to run the football. Uh, by the way, a little side note for this game, the highest ticket price, the highest average ticket price in the history of the NFL uh, for a playoff game, it is, uh, I believe, a little bit less than $1,100 per ticket on average to go to this wow. game. The, the cheapest ticket to go to this game, according to uh, ESPN, is $489. So to any of our uh, Michigan fans, uh, if you're looking to go to the game, make sure you have a spare $500 in your pocket to uh, to afford to get into that one. All right, so Vito, nice. Scotty, you guys are taking the Bucks. I'm taking the Lions, and that brings us to our final game of the divisional round, Chiefs-Bills. The Bills are a three-point favorite in this game, and I'm going to lead off this by saying I love the Chiefs. I love the Chiefs so much in this game. It's a problem. I'm thinking way too much about how much I love the Chiefs. And I need you guys to make the case as to why I shouldn't take the Chiefs. Or if I'm right and should assume that I should take the Chiefs in this game. I'll tell you why you shouldn't take the Chiefs. Okay. Because I love the Chiefs and I've been awful this playoff <laughs> run. Uh, listen. The so Chiefs, have I, I think, though. So right? have I. Like, I don't know, man. The favorites, a lot of them last week went down. I, I We're going almost all favorites except for the Chiefs. Uh, you know, you, you, yeah, you have all the favorites except for the chiefs. I've no, I took the, the I'm saying, Oh too. yeah. I do have all the favorites. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my point chalk. is, I think, I think when it comes into this week, this is when the higher seeds went out. Like look back in NFL history, 50% of Super Bowl winners are one seeds. Like just think about that. Right. They don't even play the first round. Like there's so many reasons why it is a good idea to take the favorites, especially when they're coming and the one and two seeds off the buy more the one seeds now that only the one seed gets a buy, but still, what I think about this game, I think about the fact that I can't bet against Patrick Mahomes. I love the Bills. I want the Bills to win. I'm going to be rooting for the Bills to win. I love Josh Allen, and I still can't get myself to be like, they're going to win. 
in my heart of hearts, I just, I think the chiefs are going to win. Uh, I think that we're going to see again, a, a good day for Rashid Rice, Travis Kelsey. I love that. We saw Clyde Edwards, Alaire. Like there was a couple moments there where I'm like, man, they're actually using all their weapons here. Like everybody they can, um, they're, they're pulling all the stops and on defense, like we said earlier this year, remember, this is still the best defense Pat Mahomes has ever played with. So if he can just turn it on for a three-game streak here, which, listen, I'd bet money he can, he is going to beat the Bills, beat whoever wins that Texans-Ravens game and go to the Super Bowl. I think he's capable of that. And he's in, I know, Scotty, you say this all the time, the Brady realm of like, I'm not going to bet against him. Until he beats me, I'm not, I'm not going to bet against him. I can't bet against Mahomes right now in the playoffs until he proves he's wrong, especially when you're giving him three points. That's why I'm going the Chiefs, and that's why I think you're spot on, Jeff. First, by the way, first road playoff game of Patrick Mahomes' career. And I don't know if you guys saw the stat floating around about he's at 12 career playoff wins, which puts him ahead of Peyton Manning, puts him ahead of Aaron Rodgers, puts him ahead of... Pretty much every great, I think he's two wins away from tying Joe Montana for playoff wins. Wow. I mean, like, I mean, it, it's, yeah, but hey, he's got oh, two. He's yeah, halfway please. there. It's pretty, pretty damn he good. Have four. No, he doesn't, but he's, it's pretty damn good. Before turning 30, he's already passed pa- Peyton Manning and he's already passed uh, a lot, a lot of really, really great quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. I think he's already in the top five in playoff wins in the history of the NFL, and he's not even 30 years old yet. Just unreal statistic about talking about the greatness of Patrick Mahomes. Like, it's crazy. Uh, Scotty, I know you got to leave here in a second, so I want to get your thoughts on this game. Chiefs, Bills, where are you leaning on this one? Are you with me and Vito? Are you going with the Chiefs, or are you going to take the Bills at home? Get Mahomes the hell out of here. Give me Josh Allen. Oh, let's go. It's it's a home game. It's a home game for Josh Allen and the boys in Buffalo. They went through that last week. They dominated the Steelers as they should. Uh, it's going to be cold and snowy again. Yeah, uh, yeah. So so give me Josh. I, like this role that they've been on, I I don't see it stopping until they get to the Super Bowl and lose to the Niners. Uh, so give me Josh Allen and the boys. Um. Okay, I know the, the the record's bad. I know I talk about Mahomes, and, and and I'm with you guys. I would bet on him 11 times out of 10, but this is the one. Which, that math doesn't that make math sense. That doesn't but... work, no. <laughs> Nine <laughs> but, times like, out of 10, this yeah. is the one. Yes. Yeah, give, me, give, me, give me Josh Allen, man. I think, I think this team is special. Like, they're banged up. They're fighting. If this was a road game, I'd be like, no shot. No shot that the Bills roll into Arrowhead and, and beat the, the Chiefs. But now, like that—that's that's the kind of difference that home field makes. To your point, Vito, for the higher seeds um, in the postseason. So, uh, I'm going to take the the Bills. I think they control the line of scrimmage. I think they control the ball and keep it out of Patrick Mahomes' hands the way that the Dolphins couldn't last week. And uh, and I'm going to take the Bills to win outright. I look. I want the Bills to win, like as a fan, just because I I would love to see both Buffalo and Detroit have teams in the in the AFC NFC championship game. I think that'd be super fun. The biggest problem is is like they didn't beat the shit out of the Steelers. The Steelers were in that football game late into the third quarter. They had the ball 
with a chance to go score a touchdown to tie the, that football game. And the reason they did is because Josh Allen's ability to protect the football. And I will sit here and stand on the hill and say that, like, the turnover stuff with Josh Allen does not necessarily take away from how brilliant he is until you get to the postseason. You have to protect the football in the postseason. And what I've seen, and, and this is just Buffalo, all right? This is just the Buffalo side of it. I haven't even got to Kansas City yet. Just the Buffalo side of it. Buffalo has gone on this crazy stretch where less than a month ago, they should have lost to the Los Angeles Chargers on Thursday night, right? They should have lost to the New England Patriots despite putting out 400 yards, right? They should have lost all those games. They didn't because this team is Frankenstein-ish, right? They keep finding ways to come back and win these football games, even though they have no real business doing it. That game against Pittsburgh, multiple turnovers if Pittsburgh if Mason Rudolph doesn't have the turnoff the the interception and if George Pickens doesn't fumble fumble that football I think the Steelers are in that game late into the fourth quarter potentially winning that football game all right versus you look at the Chiefs you cannot turn the ball over against the Chiefs and expect to win a playoff game end of story and what we saw out of the Chiefs in that playoff game is the best that offense has looked since they beat the shit out of the Bears in week three in the first Taylor Swift game when they put up like 40-plus points and absolutely dominated the Chicago Bears. That's a, I, I'll tell you what the what the NFL wants. They want Taylor Swift and, and Kelsey kissing under confetti. Yeah. So but, fuck all that. Go Bills. That's possible. Look, again, I'm rooting for the Bills. I would love to see the Bills. I've told the story on the pod before about the Bills fan. We did the hat swap. It's one of my favorite football-related stories I have. The Chiefs looked like a different team in that game against the Dolphins. The Chiefs controlled that game in way colder and worse conditions than what we're going to have. Yes, it's going to be 20 degrees. 20 degrees compared to playing in negative 30 last weekend is going to feel like you're on a tropical vacation. Isaiah Pacheco (laughs) and the running backs in Kansas City show out in the postseason, and Rasheed Rice is a problem. So if you have Rasheed Rice and you have Pacheco running the football and Clyde Edwards Zillair out of the backfield catching the ball, and you still have Travis Kelsey, who, again, not prime Travis Kelsey, but he had seven catches for 70-plus yards in the last game, that is enough to get by a team who has consistently turned the ball over. And I'm telling you right now, there's going to be a key drive in the fourth quarter with this game being tight where either James Cook fumbles or Josh Allen throws a big-time interception because that has been the Achilles heel of this Bills team all season. And as much as I want to see Buffalo win this game, I can't in good conscience support it because in in last week's game, which should have been an absolute ass-whooping given the fact that the Steelers gave them multiple turnovers in the first half, the Bills still almost blew that game go almost going into the fourth quarter. And if that's the type of energy we're going to see out of the Buffalo Bills and we're going to see Josh Allen potentially turn the football over, you have to go with Patrick Mahomes. And you're going to tell me Patrick Mahomes is an underdog in better weather than he played last week with this Chiefs team playing the best offensive football that they've played in the last, you know, how many months? I'm all in on the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs win this game outright. I think it's another heartbreak for Buffalo, although I hope that doesn't happen because I would love to see Buffalo in that uh, uh, AFC championship game. It's going to be the Chiefs. Uh, they just they know how to do it in this spot. And Buffalo has had their number in the regular season. And I know this game's in Buffalo and the home field advantage and all that stuff. 
That shit has never mattered with Mahomes. Now, granted, we've never had to see it in the postseason. So maybe Buffalo gets enough under his skin that he's not able to do it. But you're giving him a turf field. You're giving him Rasheed Rice, who's playing the best football of his young career. Travis Kelsey's turning into vintage Travis Kelsey. You have a really consistent running game. You're good on both offensive and defensive lines of scrimmage. I like Kansas City mainly because I don't trust Josh Allen to go through an entire game without a turnover. And we saw it in the Super Bowl last year, right? What was the biggest play in the Super Bowl last year against the Philadelphia Eagles? Even though Jalen Hurts played a perfect game otherwise, the biggest play in that game was Jalen Hurts fumbling the snap and it getting returned for a touchdown. And that is the difference when you go up against Mahomes, is that one change of possession, that one score. You cannot give that guy anything, and you're going up against a team that has as many turnovers as anybody in football this year. I love Buffalo. I love Josh Allen. I'm going to be pulling for them on Sunday night. But the Chiefs are going to do it again. They're going to win that game outright, and they're going to move on to this uh, AFC championship game against the the Baltimore Ravens. So uh, Scotty's on the bills vetoes on the chiefs uh, to recap real quick and correct me if I'm wrong on anything. Scotty's on the Texans veto on our, on the Ravens. We're all on the Niners on Saturday. I'm on the lions. You guys are both on the Buccaneers and Scotty's on the bills while Vito and I hang on the chiefs. That sets you up. NFL divisional round playoffs this weekend, four games, soak it in. It's going to be an awesome weekend. I think it's the best weekend in NFL football because you really are boiled down to the eight best teams. We should have four really fun games. Definitely on Sunday, hoping for something on, on Saturday. We'll see when we get there. Scotty, good luck to your boys. Vito, thank you for hopping on late. I know you had a busy day, and we appreciate you giving us any time whatsoever. And most importantly, we appreciate you guys, the listeners, for spending your time with us to help us get you ready for the divisional round in the NFL playoffs. So until then, we will be back on Tuesday. We're able to record on Monday next week, so we're going to record on Monday, pods out Tuesday, recapping everything from the divisional round, any coaching hires or coaching decisions, Right now, it's just Gerard Mayo. I'm expecting some more coaching stuff to come out over the next four days, and we'll have it all covered here on The Read Option. So thank you for listening. We love you guys. Enjoy the weekend. We will be back on Tuesday recapping everything from this weekend. So get ready. Enjoy the games. And until then, take it easy, everybody.